I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today, we're taking the regular structure of this podcast and throwing it out the window. We are talking about the first annual issue for Batman Adventures, and then talking about our favorite parts of the Nightfall quest and event that we just finished. No to-read pile, no letters column. We're talking Batman Adventures annual issue one that came out September 1994. It's a double issue at 44 pages. We're treated to a few different stories by a handful of amazing artists and writers. It's a minor key issue because it's the first appearance of Roxy Rocket. Four years later, she made her way to the animated series in season two, episode one, called The Ultimate Thrill. She later made her first appearance in the regular continuity of Detective Comics 822, written by Paul Dini in October 2006. Jason, real quick, what did you think hmm. of the annual? Oh, I fucking loved it. I, yeah. I, it, 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 it actually, like, it didn't live up to how good the Christmas special was because like, yeah. that was just like, oh man, that Christmas special. So good. The holiday special, I think, is going to be like a, I don't know, just kind of like the pinnacle. <laughs> yeah. I, that yeah. holiday special, man, you can't, you can't shake it. It's just so good. Yeah. Um, and, and like, and like speaking of like, you know, and like uh, Bruce Tim, like just, <laughs> Just the cover of the annual. I know we'll get into it more when we actually like cover it, but like yeah. the look he has on Harley's face, I just, it just cracks me up every time yeah. I look at it. Just absolutely cracks me. And I love that he went for, it's like, yeah, Bruce Tim's known for drawing sexy ladies, but he's like, I want to make her look funny. You can make her look funny too. Yeah. Yeah. You know? This annual was written by Paul Dini, colored by Rick Taylor, lettered by Richard Starking as a comic craft, edited by Scott Peterson with an assist from Darren Vincenzo. Each story is drawn by a different person, but other than that, that core group remains the same across this annual. The Batman Adventures annual has an amazing cover with Batman overlooking the Joker with a pistol, Harley with a more comical pistol, and then uh, behind them is uh, Scarecrow and the Ventriloquist, and the Ventriloquist has a comically small Tommy gun. It's just weird guns all the way down. It is just really good. And again, the, the aforementioned, the Harley's face is just. Yeah. The, the She's weird so determined. Scowl. With her, like, yeah. With her weird cartoon pistol. Yeah. And the arch, the way her back is like hunched, you know, like it's just. God, just. It, it's very, very good. So we yeah. open with going straight. It's Bruce Tim. Um, he Bruce Tim also did the art for the cover, I believe. Yeah. We open with Batman grapple line attached to a woman straddling a rocket, like an old timey rocket. So this fucking is great. Yeah, this is Roxy Rocket. This is her first appearance. Uh, she's a daredevil woman who is like, you know, uh, former stealing stunt woman. stuff. Yeah, former stunt woman. And she's she's got Batman on the tow line and she's blasting through Gotham. She says she's a stunt girl looking to make some extra cash and you had to mess it all up. And so she takes out what looks like a old timey 
like 50s laser gun like ray gun yeah yeah like a ray gun and like shoots a bolt of lightning at the at the line that batman has and batman starts plummeting and she's like happy landings ace she's got a whole roxy rocket has a whole like 1950s sci-fi futurist thing going on that i actually really really like i i never got into her episode uh, as a kid, I never really, I never really got into it. But Bruce Tim drawing her here on the page, I'm like, yeah, okay, I can get into this. Yeah, I don't. I, I honestly didn't like remember her at all. Like when I was reading this, I just assumed that maybe she was a character already from the show that I just wasn't familiar with because I keep on not watching the show. Sure, sure. Jason, I mean, not that I've never seen the show. Obviously, right, I just obviously you've seen the like, show, but yeah, yeah, but yeah not like very so i just assumed like that but yeah but it's just the whole just the rocket and even like the close-up here like as i'm like looking down on the page of of the controls on the rocket too you know it's like levers and like uh meters like gauges it's very it's very like sleek retro future kind of 1950s stuff yeah, like some like lost in space shit where it's just like, I don't right. know, put a box with a bunch of like light up buttons on it. That's the future. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the future. There you go. <laughs> and it, and it, but it does like look cool. Like I do I do appreciate like a, a little sci fi thing that like, well, I get, you know, like the 50s sci fi thing of like, yeah, no, it just looks cool. Don't think about it. Just yeah. Yeah. Put a fin on it. It's OK. So we have Batman's lines. His has been blasted. He's falling to his death. Presumably he manages to grapple onto another building use the momentum to swing up and get in front of the rocket. And as he's doing this, Roxy Rockets muttering to herself, I always thought he was a little overrated. And then (laughs) he's right in front of her. It's like a close-up of her screaming as he just like takes her down off the rocket. The rocket slams into a building and explodes. And it says, so ended the crime spree of Jewel Thief Roxanne, Roxy Rocket, Sutton. And then we go to like her trial and it's it seems like she's going to, you know, like uh, uh, get rehabilitated, get back in society. And she's she's out. She's going to straighten up and fly right. And uh, yeah, Alfred makes a snide comment once she's like, I'm going to straighten up and fly right. She's like on the news. They're watching it on the news. Alfred's like right back into prison i'd wager <laughs> yeah that was great i also just love the i i love the narration of like them watching it on tv because it's totally like the uh <laughs> though one time movie stunt woman was given a stiff sentence for her larcenous escapades she was paroled last week less than two years after her apprehension by the batman yep. i just I, yep. the the word uh larcenous just jumped <laughs> Yeah, like I just right. jumped out. I'm like, j- just a a fucking ten dollar word, man. When like a two cent one really would have done, and it's just like yeah, great. But it makes it, it it makes it fills the whole vibe. It like yeah, that, like it, it definitely places you time of like whenever the Batman animated series exists, where it's like it's the 40s, 50s, but there's computers. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I I abs- absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. So, so good. So Batman is having his cup of coffee and he's chatting with Alfred and Alfred's like, it seems like none of your more colorful adversaries have been capable of walking the straight and narrow for very long. And Batman is like, a few have come close. Ventriloquist, for example, 
I thought he'd make it the last time uh, he was released from Arkham. And this is the framing device for the rest of the stories within this annual. So from there, we go into Ventriloquist's story. Yeah, titled Puppet Show with art by Mike Perobeck. And I'm just noticing right now fucking Matt Wagner. Yeah, man. Because <laughs> I'm like, because like, when I was reading this, I was like, I'm like, yeah, man, like someone else must have inked Parabek here because it just looks a bit. Looks, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's it looks Matt a Wagner. Different. So like, yeah. So that's why it's like, you know, a bit heavier lines then because like, you know, yep. Matt Wagner always loved those, love those thick, th- well, thicker, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. lines than, than, than Parabek. And I'm just noticing now, I'm like, God damn, just like, just getting a bunch of fucking ringers for this, man. Just, just calling yeah, in all these I, favors. And I thought it was interesting seeing Matt Wagner ink. And I wonder if he started his career as an inker. I don't really know much about Matt Wagner's history. Apparently, even if he's not really a quote unquote, an inker, he inked this story. So I, I don't know if yeah. they just like, they needed a favor and they were like, Oh, just get Matt. Like he'll do it kind of thing. Cause it's only, a, it's only a handful of pages. It's like under 10 yeah. pages. So yeah, it, it could have been something like that or to like join it. Cause he was already pretty established at this point. Like he, Matt yeah. Wagner came out of, if memory serves, he kind of came out of the, the black and white boom with like Grendel and, yeah. uh, and then mage, you know, like that was all like indie, like, you know, just have you, small, have you read stuff since we're talking Matt Wagner, have you read yeah. uh Grendel or uh mage at all? I have not read Grendel in goddamn ages. Uh, I, I kind of want to go back. I have a couple of uh, collections on digital that a while yeah. back I, I read. That was kind of the last time. Uh, I've Here and there, I keep on thinking about Mage because I, I know it's like a complete story and I, I really kind of want to d- dig into that, you know, just because. I always thought Grendel was really cool. And then I would pick up collections of Grendel comics at random mm-hmm. and I'd be like, I've I've got no idea what the fuck is going on in this world. It's just yeah. like, it's so bonkers. And it seems to pull from like a myriad of time periods and stuff. Like it yeah. just, I, you really have to approach it, approach it with kind of like a careful, like I'm going to start at the beginning. I'm going to wrap my head around this entirety of this thing. The way I was rep- approaching Grendel in the nineties was not the way you should be approaching Grendel. <laughs> Like it'd be like, I guess, like buying random issues of like Elf Quest. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, like, you're oh. never going to pick up what's going on. You really yeah, got to start at the beginning. Yeah. Cause you're like, you're like reading a story and you're suddenly like, oh, wait, this guy died three years ago now. Oh, shit. He was, oh, man. I missed a lot. Oh, yeah. No. Right. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. And the thing about the thing about Grendel is like, like you were saying, 80s black and white boom. So like what I was picking up at the store was whatever was left over from the 80s black and white boom in the yeah. 90s. So it wasn't yeah. like you could get, you could, especially in the 90s when it's like, we aren't quite online yet. You can't like order stuff online. People yeah, are still trades mailing are still away. A special thing. Like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was like, even if I wanted to start at the beginning, like I didn't have an option. It was just yeah. like, I just bought what I could and I was like, I'll piece it together. And I'm like, whatever. I don't know. I, yeah. It makes me want to try Grendel again uh, uh, separately. Maybe I'll put it on the to read pile. I don't know. I think you should. I think you should. Yeah. But so we start with Puppet Show, which, you know, it's a ventriloquist story. So Puppet sure. Show. And, and we were dropped right into a kid's show with a magical princess. 
uh, named Magic Mitzi talking to a frog and she's ending the show. And right away, there's a, a careless director just leaning back in his chair. And I know yep. he's the director because he's sitting in a chair that says director on it. Yep. Uh, and he's just like letting Magic Mitzi know like, oh, we're canceling this shit. Sorry, the kids don't want it. They want stuff like the Mega Metal Power Clones. Yeah, which, fair. That show yeah. looks great. <laughs> yeah, it looks awesome. I know I know it's a half hour cartoon, well, a 20 minute uh, commercial, I mean. So like- Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, well, whatever. The, the Mega Metal Power Clones, by the way, uh, Starkings is, is flexing a little bit of lettering finesse on that title, on the poster. It looks really good. He did a really great job. I just wanted to highlight that. And also, it seems like it's a kind of parody of Ultraman and and Power Rangers kind of thing. A Japanese Transformer, action, yeah, Transformers, Transformers, Japanese action show that yeah. like you know this is what the kids want now. It's the nineties, you know, yeah. <laughs> Which I thought yeah. that was cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. It was it was, it was pretty good. Ma- Magic Mitzi uh, dressed up in her princess like you know costume. She's apparently been on. Gotham's airwaves running her children's puppet show for 25 years Yep, and the plugs getting pulled and the frog that she was talking to at the end of the episode was none other than, well, the ventriloquist. Yep. And so he overhears what's, what's happening. We cut to, uh, Mitzi in her dressing room, going through a scrapbook, just looking at the better times, pouring herself a drink of, McCurdy brothers, which I don't know if I don't know yeah, what that's don't referencing know if that's to, but I'm, I'm almost certain it's a, it's again, I just, I, I kind of don't want to know. I just hope it's like a friend, you know, of a somebody. Friend of Mike Parlebeck's, you know, yeah. Whatever. And he just, yeah, he's kind of like winked at it. It was like, yeah. hey, put, I, put your name I enjoyed in a, in a that. Um, uh, Mitzi, when she gets into her trailer and she's pouring herself a drink and she's leaning back in the chair, like she, is like in a robe rather than in her in her princess outfit and her yeah. princess outfit includes her iconic princess hair that is now on like a mannequin so she's done yeah. like a full transformation in from like i'm a i'm a children's show princess into like i'm a fucking gothamite you know <laughs> like, yeah yeah like I'm, <laughs> i've, I've been, been in gotham this- for 25 years like Fuck yeah, I've been off. in show. I've been in show business. I got. I'm. I'm tough just because it's yeah, a yeah. kids show. Half burned um, cigarette in one hand, like bottle or uh, uh, a glass of whiskey in the other. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the ventriloquist knocks on the door with the the frog puppet. It's this really nice puppet because he's a puppet on a children's show, you know. And yeah, ventriloquist is like, you know, just introducing himself and saying that he overheard the conversation. She's like, yep, yeah, well. You know, them's the them's the breaks. You heard the man next week ain't, ain't going to have a show. But she lets slip that like because ventriloquist is like, oh, well, but you can't give up hope. You know, when I was going through rehabilitation at Arkham and she freaks out and she's like, you were in Arkham, huh? Well, uh, yep. so nice talking to you and just somewhat politely but hurriedly just pushes him out the doors is it? You know, like a good little psychopath, uh, fellow, uh, yeah, yeah, fellow. Then she then looks up what he was in Arkham for, though, because she right. got a plan. She's like, oh, murderous, huh? Yeah, I like she goes to the Gotham Library and she's looking up old newspapers on uh, microfiche. And yeah. she's like, and she's dressed, she's like trench coat, like oh, disguised uh, scarf over the, the hair 
glasses, cigarette in her hand. Like it's a full on 1940s like disguise. Yeah, which which I thought was like a a really nice touch because it's like, oh, well, she's a known figure in Gotham. So like, I don't want people to notice me. So she finds out who Arnold Wesker, the ventriloquist, actually is. And hatches a little plan. And she brings Arnold Wexler back to her dressing room. And she's now back in her wig, still in her robe, but in her wig, and presents her with Scarface. Yeah, she back, baby. She had some uh she had some of the designers build Scarface to spec like as accurately as they could get him. And she's like, she's like, oh yeah, reunited you with your old friend and Petroclus is like, oh shit! Like, no, yeah. I have my frog friend. We're all fra- we're all fine right now. <laughs> yeah, and the and the frog's trying to convince him. We're like, no, no, we're nice. You don't have to go back to that mean. And just, I love with like how quickly and callously like Mitzi is just like, get this fucking frog out of here. Just like grabs yeah. it off his hand, throws it over his shoulder. Like the obvious stand-in for Kermit is he's like. Nah, 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 get get this like not easy being green bitch the fuck out of my face. <laughs> Forces the ventriloquist's hand back into Scarface as Scarface yeah. is here and there going, is that you, dummy? Is that you? Yep. As soon as he gets his hand right up Scarface's uh, butt, well, back. Sure, sure. Uh, he <laughs> he gets punched by the puppet. Of course, of course. Because <laughs> how could you desert me and leave me? And he's still talking with that, uh, with a G's. Yeah. Because yeah. his, his, his... <laughs> Gak to Giznes is, is what Scarface says. We're going Gak to Giznes, which I, I guess this is like a thing they're doing in the animated series comics only, as far as I know, because he wasn't like this in Night's Quest and he, no. or Night's End, or Nightfall even. Uh, one of the nights, one of the nights, whatever. Yeah, one uh, of the parts he was in, and and he's certainly not like this on the show. This is like Batman Adventures only, and they, they yeah, explained I, it in the in the Scarface issue, and then now they're just assuming like you're on board with this. Yeah, see, like that's the I, I was reading when I was reading this. I was like, you know what? That's the kind of like attention to continuity that I appreciate. It's yeah, like when you're paying it, attention to continuity for the joke, I'm like, yes, yes, yeah. chef's kiss. The chef's thing kiss. about it too is like, so Kelly Puckett wrote that issue. Paul Dini's writing this one and he's still like, oh yeah, we're going to keep that joke. Like, we're just going to keep yeah. rolling it. Yeah, I'm just going to, yeah, I'm just going to, well, it's a good joke. It's an easy joke already set up for me. I'm just going to like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not going to think about, I'm just going to follow the directions on the, on the box of pasta that says how to cook it. And like, there's just like, yeah, Hey, fine. Mitzi, once Scarface is firmly back in charge, proposes her plan that she wants uh, Scarface to take out the, the director and yep. Scarface ain't used to taking, uh, you know, orders from dames, but being that he needs to get the operation back up and running and can use the scratch, he's like, all right, all right, we'll do this <laughs> job for you. It'll be pretty easy. I'll just get two of my goons to wait for him to show up and it'll Jason, look like you're a turning into Scarface ball. right before my eyes. Yeah, well, you're, you know, you're, com- you're you're melding into the character. I'm losing Jason and I'm getting Scarface. Yeah, because I'm innocent and I'm being seduced. Obviously, <laughs> obviously. My favorite, my favorite part about this page is Mitzi pours Scarface a drink, and 
ventriloquist gives Scarface a drink. He just basically pours whiskey on this puppet. <laughs> Listen, he is nothing if not committed to the bit. Right. Okay? Exactly. I have I have seen, I stole this from Twitter, but I have seen the best minds of my generation destroyed by committing themselves to the bit. <laughs> You're right. That was a great, I mean, again, the jokes, like it's just yeah. a good, like, it's just like, it'd be funny to have them pour a drink of whiskey into the, yeah. into the and they, mouth. Like, they, they leave that moment as like a dramatic moment, which makes it all the more funny. Cause it's like, oh yeah, it's like Scarface taking that drink and being like, all right, here's the plan. Like he's like on board with the murder. So it's oh, like yeah. supposed to be like this scary dramatic moment. And he's just pouring whiskey all over this puppet. And it's, <laughs> it's just so fun. It's just so oh, yeah. fun. Well, cause it's the type of comedy where it's like, where it's like, where, where it's serious to them, you know, like it's always right. sunny does, yes. does this like perfectly. where like the situations are absurd and the characters themselves are absurd, but the way they like they act it like straight you know right. like it's really means a lot to the the absurd thing means a lot to the character and that's why right. it's funny it's right. not like a setup punchline joke and like yeah i really appreciate that kind of thing while scarface is just explaining the simple plan of how he's going to take out this director who's canceling uh magic mitzi's show you see the two goons jump the the bearded gentleman who just immediately starts kicking his ass, kicking their asses. And Scarface yep. is like, you didn't tell me he was a champion kickboxer. And is like, he's not. Look, and just, no, it was Batman. It was oh. Batman. Oh, here's Batman. Oh, the surprise. Batman. Yeah. I love <laughs> this. Just, I love this part after, after oh, the yeah. reveal of Batman. Yeah, reveals himself. And so, and so Scarface and the ventriloquist and, and Magic Mitzi were all waiting in the car. You know, while yeah. while this like thing was supposed to happen, they noticed this Batman and just immediately shove Mitzi out the car yeah. and peel away. Uh, yeah, uh, Scarface is like, last thing I need is that freak dragging me back to the joint. Get me out of here, dummy! And like, Mitzi's uh, like, what about me? And they just boot her right out of the car. Yeah, just like, <laughs> yeah, that's what about you? And my my this next scene was my favorite. They they boot her out the car, drive away, run into a cop car on the way out, and as they're trying to make the getaway, Scarface is trying to figure out what went wrong, and he's asking the ventriloquist, he's like, "What? You did you turn traitor?" And he's like, "No, it wasn't me. I swear it wasn't me." And who pops up but the frog? He's like, "No, yes. it was me." Yeah, the who frog. The, the frog was squealing. <laughs> called the cops, who then called Batman. Which I love that chain of command right there. It's like the cops get a call and they go, "Oh, hold, hold on a minute. We're not going to call another police officer or a team or anything. We're going to call Batman." Yeah, this you seems know, like is, some Batman. When we get a call from a frog, this seems like yeah, some Batman shit. <laughs> yeah, but but I also love. I mean, and again, and committing, you know, com committing to the character of like, okay, well, like, how do we resolve this story quickly? It's well. The, the, the ventriloquist has distinct personalities in his head. And so right. this good personality would, yeah, would call the cops without his other personality realizing it. And then a quick fight. Yeah. The <laughs> puppets start fighting in the lap of the ventriloquist as he's driving the car. <laughs> which the car then just immediately careens into uh, a lamppost, catches on fire, 
the ventriloquist dashes into the car quickly to grab the frog to save him from the fire. But then just as soon as he saves him, he drops him and, you know, yeah, it's slowly trudges back. It's insinuated that the frog died in the fire. Yeah, which uh, I just every every fucking time they fucking trick me because they're like, this is lighthearted fun. Here's a cute little thing. And then at the end of every story, here's this poor, broken man whose brain yep. doesn't fucking work right, who yep. to God is just kind of into puppets and doesn't want to commit crimes, but he's has locked into the life with his brain chemistry. Yeah. And anybody tries to be good. It's just tragedy upon tr- just yeah. not only is he going back to Arkham Asylum, but like the good character his mind created is now dead. Right. right. It like it just punched me in the gut. I'm like, I was having fun. It's like going on a fun roller coaster and getting off and be like, oh, wow, that was really fun. And someone's just like, oh, you had a fun time, huh? And just swiftly punches you in the stomach. <laughs> you're like, and you're like, it was so fun, but. God, what was what was that for? Yeah, yeah. Ah, man, so good. Yeah, it was a really great ventriloquist uh, story. Which leads us into the next story, 24 Hours, art by Dan DiCarlo and Bruce Tim. Dan DiCarlo, for anyone who doesn't know, is uh, popular for creating the Archie kind of like style guide basically okay. like how archie looks in like all those archie digests not any of like the archie versus punisher stuff or like the new stuff but like yeah. your old timey archie when you think about like archie and the gang in riverdale you think of dan DiCarlo's art okay that makes so much more sense because i honestly did not know that i actually you know what that's a big hole in my comics knowledge is archie and i yeah. should uh, rectify that at some point but like my first thought was like Oh, nice! There goes. She looks exactly like Betty. This is fucking great. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's, like, oh, that's so that's why damn. she looks like yeah. Betty. And and you know, Bruce Tim's also on the art chores for this. I don't know what the division of labor was like. I don't know if uh, Dan drew it and then Bruce Tim inked it, or uh, they were collaborating a little bit more, or or what. But yeah, I have to think that this is like, and uh, like Bruce Tim probably loved reading Archie as a kid because he's like. You know, Bruce Tim's like kind of like a generation above us. And then Dan DiCarlo is probably a generation above him. And it's it's like, oh, he he was like, we're doing an annual. Let's see if we can get Dan DiCarlo, you know? Well, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like having it's like having the juice to be able to do that, you know, to be like, oh, wait a minute. I'm I'm successful now. It's like, can we can can we can we get? Oh, right, oh we can just get him. him. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like, wait, holy shit, we can. We can, we can just do that. <laughs> yeah, like, oh my God. Yeah. Wait, no, we have the budget. We go, oh my God, we can. Yeah. 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 Which I absolutely like love, like seeing. Yeah. This starts out with a little caption true to our framing device of Alfred being like, true, we can ch- chalk up the ventriloquists return to crime as bad luck. However, a chronic offender like Harlequin only has herself to blame. I, I love that little, uh, and I love Alfred's little head in the yeah, circle. Yeah. Little head like, icon. Little, yeah. Little, literal talking head is just this one's called 24 hours like i said it starts at monday 9 30 a.m harley is getting out of prison uh this whole thing is mostly silent some sound effects here and there 
mostly a very uh, uh, quick read. So she's getting out of Arkham. She's saying goodbye to, to Ivy on the way out, kind of like hands on the glass kind of thing. She's shaking the hands of the, of the uh, you know, people who were there to help her at the gates of Arkham Asylum. She's finding a room for rent, monthly, weekly, whatever. Like she's about to go in there. That's a just like, get on the right path, Jason. Like no more crime. Harley really? Quinn's reformed. Hand, it's Harleen Quinzel now. Hand on the doorknob. Hand on the doorknob. And then a limo pulls up and the glass goes down and it's the Joker. And she just chucks the <laughs> chucks the suitcase hearts in her eye, like a uh, trail of hearts jumps in the limo. Yeah. Joker rolls down the window and just the most beautiful lecherous grin. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, narrowing of his eyes. Like that's all he, he knows. That's all he has to do. He's just like, hey. At Tuesday, 2.46 a.m., they uh, Harley's already in the suit. It's like not even a full day has gone by. Harley's yeah. already in the suit. The, the Gotham Jewelry Mart explodes. Harley's in there with, with a, a crew and the Joker, and she's like putting on a crown of, of riches. You know, they're messing around with the jewelry. Joker's trying to like load stuff up. Batman's in the background. Jumps in, kicks Joker in the face. Harley kicks Batman. The Joker takes out a gun. He's about to shoot Batman. Batman kicks the gun away. And then the Joker just throws Harley Quinn at Batman. <laughs> He's Which like, every time. I mean, that's the, yeah. that's the constant running gag in the. That's yeah. the bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Joker gives up Harley Quinn to Batman so that he can get away. That's what happens. Tuesday, 930 a.m. The police paddy wagons coming back to Arkham Asylum. Harley's being walked back to her cell, the disappointed like orderlies and stuff being like, oh, I thought we really habilitated her. And then she's waving to, to Poison Ivy on the way in, just like she's, she said goodbye on the way out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and she's in Poison I love how, I, I love both times the casual nature. You know, like yeah. Poison Ivy just like, yeah, no, I know. And, she's still, and this time she's laying in bed. She's like, what up, girl? How yeah, you doing? Right, exactly. It's like... We, <laughs> Harley and Ivy both knew where this was going. They were like, yeah, they were like the, the you're in a cycle that you cannot get out of. And it ends with her sitting on the bed and just being like, boy, <laughs> I still, I still love because it's, it, it's a it's canon that she's Jewish. Yes. Yeah. Which is again, it's just so good. Yeah. You want to take us into the next story? Next story, we cut back to uh, Batman's thoughts about, you know, what had transpired with Harley and, you know, and he's like, there are even times when my worst enemies wanted to call it quits. Even they need some normalcy in their lives. And now we begin, which brings us into the uh, Scarecrow story with art by Honest to God, one of my favorite, especially in the nineties, uh, comic book artist, Klaus Johnson, like any, yeah. any time he, he was always an automatic buy for me. So stupid. Good. Yeah. Oh yeah. And even, and such a great inker too, you know, yep. like I think yep. a lot, that's what he maybe first got known for, but like just, Oh God, again, just makes me so happy seeing like names like this. So this is Klaus Johnson. What's the story called? No, oh, the story is called study hall, which, the uh, sort of 
I don't call it, you can't call it a splash page, but like splash panel of study hall. The title panel is this really great, creepy scarecrow with a student tied up and, and mm-hmm. tape over his mouth, kind of scratching at his face. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just going to be like, oh, we're going to see, uh, see what we can get out of you. You know, just yeah. automa- I just, I love the, the the automatic uh, uh, creepy vibe with the scarecrow because that, that's what scarecrow oh, yeah. is supposed and to be. Class Jansen, the art is perfect for a scarecrow story because it's all very scratchy, very like I don't I don't even know if to call it angular, but it feels like there's a there's a roughness to it, there's a texture to it. I I always called it I always call this kind of like heavier inks um, blocky. Uh, and, yeah. I'm, and I mean that in such a, a complimentary way, kind of like McMillan, yeah. like in my mind, I always think like blocky because even though it's not technically like angular as in sharp, like straight, like ruled lines. And yeah, it's not like that. that. It's not that, but it just or chunky, maybe like chunkies. Yeah, kind of it like, does. It does. It has a chunk to it. And there's definitely yeah. like an organic feel to it that uh, only enhances the scarecrow's creepiness in this. Story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the the heavy blacks give it give it that mm-hmm. like yeah, give it that great vibe. And so we're we're dropped into a scarecrow who has uh, this college student in a college classroom all tied up, and he's flipping through all his scarecrow, you know, uh, 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 poisons to try to yeah. figure out what his what his greatest fear is. Yeah, I kind of love that he had these weird chemicals. And he's got like different flavors of fear, basically, and hallucination. It's like, oh, this one's rats. And he like blasts the guy and he's covered in rats. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all just these different beakers and bottles with like skulls on them. And he's just rifling through them. Oh, I got to have something here. Like, I love the idea of someone like, like flipping quickly through a a file cabinet, you know? Right, right. (laughs) It's just, it's just so good. As he's spraying him in the face, starting his torture, he starts telling him about why he's here and how he ended up in such a place, like face to face with Scarecrow. Like, mm-hmm. I love that he's explaining it in the caption box as if everything's on the up and up, and yeah. the drawings are showing you something completely different. It's like Scarecrow <laughs> breaking out of Arkham Asylum. Yeah, <laughs> he's. It's like. There's a shot of him under barbed wire, slipping through the gate, bullets flying by. And he's like, so after writing a new set of release papers, I set out to make the dream happen. <laughs> uh, it's a, such a perfect little gag and and all and a great way to quickly explain it, too. I mean, like, right. That's like the other thing, too. Is there's all these like super technical things that like, you know, and whenever I get to get you to talk about like a really technical aspect of uh, of the of art. Uh, and making comic books, I, I I love it, and I love thinking about that kind of thing because it's like, it's like when you hear a filmmaker or or uh, uh, a musician, better yet, uh, talk about like, oh man, the way this like audio engineer like mics a studio is like, yeah, man, it's yeah. brilliant, and it's like right. all these little things get me so excited because while I'm reading it, I'm just enjoying the story for itself, but also I'm just like, shit, that's a really good move. That's such a good way to do this. It's such a good way to solve the problem. Yeah, because you basically you want Scarecrow talking talking to this kid and you want to give the backstory. But it's like, okay, we need to do it in Scarecrow's voice. And Scarecrow's trying to present that he's like all on the up and up to this kid still that he's like torturing. So 
you have that in the panel boxes and then you have the reality happening elsewhere. And it, it like not only informs the reader that like we have an untrustworthy narrator, like that, like the scarecrow is a bad dude, but it's also like a good gag and it presents all the information very, very quickly. So it's like doing all these things with just like a couple of panels and, and some well-placed dialogue or monologue, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Back to learning. Cause this is, this is, this is taking place in a, you know, Institute of higher learning somewhere upstate. Yeah. Scarecrow's like, well, got a job teaching again. And even though it was filled mostly with, uh, the same bleary eyed, like, you know, slack jawed idiot students, there was one student who paid attention, Molly Randall. She's a brilliant child. And Scarecrow obviously like fell in love with her, which I I kind of appreciated in the story that it didn't seem like a a sexual one. It just seemed like he he legitimately as there was no professor was like, oh, this kid wants to learn and I love that she wants to learn and she's special and I'm going to help her. Yes. You know, it's it was a a a love between like teacher and student and, and he just wanted to like encourage her and see her thrive. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is a great contrast to just the creepy nature of having a dude tied up and uh, taped in your, uh, (laughs) in in your lecture hall while you try different fear poisons on them. Again, duality. It's like scarecrow, this compassionate person for this, for this other person who wants to learn and is doing, going out of his way like taking time with her to like give her everything that she needs in order to learn. Meanwhile, also torturing this other dude. <laughs> yeah. And he tries, he tries spiders on for size. Like, yeah, Oh, yeah. are you scared of spiders? And he's like, Oh, not really scared of spiders. That's uh, interesting. Lots of people are scared of spiders. And then as the story goes on, Scarecrow's talking about like, well, why are you even in this situation? How are you even in front of a motherfucker like me? Well, let yeah. me tell you, because you're a big dumb animal who went on a date with this pure woman and it's implied that, you know, he raped her. And so yeah. he's like, oh, well, you made her, her feel fear. If you want to know about fear, well, you come to the right place, motherfucker. And so yeah. even then I was like, oh shit, like it got way darker than. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> then it, I, was then a, the, it was a light romp and then it took a turn. Yeah. Yeah, because at first I was like, okay, Scarecrow's torturing uh, what looks like a jock. Like, did he maybe in, insult him in class or something? He's like, oh, yeah, right, no, right. <laughs> no, he committed a crime. Yeah, so like, he he blasts him with a, a, a another dose and he gets covered in leech- leeches and he's yeah. terrified and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he's yeah. like, oh, that's, that's the one. That's because you know what? Because of the last story. Uh, well, because of the ventriloquist story, I was thinking to myself, because he wasn't afraid of like, you know, spiders. I was like, wait, is this Batman too? They're going to pull that twice? But yeah, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I should not have. I, I am sorry. I even thought that's an insult. It's an insult to this talented crew of people that I would even think that they would do something so pedestrian as the twice. same trick twice yeah, yeah. in the same fucking issue. I apologize for letting myself think <laughs> that. Please. Forgive me. But yeah, so leeches, which, okay, like, I don't like leeches either, but also I was just like, that's kind of oddly specific. There's probably some weird childhood trauma there. For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
don't get me wrong. Like if I woke up covered in leeches, I'm sure I'd fucking scream too. But yeah, yeah, no, okay. But so, and he's just explaining his revenge. He's like, oh yeah, now you're gonna feel fear, like Molly felt fear, like and probably even worse because yeah, fuck you. So the dude's covered in leeches, and he and Scarecrow is just like kicking the shit out of him, basically. Yeah, as, as he's down, terrified of leeches, tied up still, and Scarecrow grabs his scythe, and he's like. Yeah. Now for commencement. Yeah, which, yeah, great line. Great line. I'm yeah. like, you, you get, you know, you got a stage for a great line. You got to take it, mm-hmm. you know. Of course, right at the last second, that's when Batman swoops in to take the scythe away and beats the crap out of Scarecrow and saves the day. He's talking to himself and he's, I suppose Crane was trying to help Molly in the only way he knew how with fear, intimidation, and force. And I'm like, yo, dog, ain't, ain't, ain't that what you do? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. It's like, okay, fine. Like, you don't, you know, kill people. That's great. Great that you're not a murderer. Right. But, but we're, we're in the same boat currently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, but it's like, okay. I mean, forgiven because story's so good. And also it's like, that's, supposed to be kind of the part of suspension of disbelief i think just sure. with like superheroes in general and batman like more specifically too it's like all all right about I'll, right. I'll let you yeah yeah i'll let you live with uh that that hypocrisy there <laughs> though i i also appreciated this more high-minded kind of cap to uh the scarecrow story though which is except crane has always had the decency to wear his mask on the outside yeah, as they're they're putting the kid in the police cruiser for the for the date rape. Yeah, yeah, which which I, which I really appreciate. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty uh, high minded, yeah, high minded kind of way of uh, putting it. When I know? read this, I was like, is Batman kind of the bad guy here? Like, <laughs> is Batman and the date rapist kind of the bad guy? I'm like, I kind of wanted like Scarecrow to just like deliver some justice you know what i mean like well, I, I think it really feels like scarecrow is n- not in the wrong <laughs> to me no no but i think but i think the i think it's heavily like implied or we're supposed to accept that like yeah like batman like d- had the douchebag arrested too you know yeah. like didn't didn't yeah. just like let him go like okay like he un- like i think i think batman was like all no. right well yeah, I get I get that like everybody's yeah. arrested at the end and nobody died and that's that's why Batman steps in but like yeah at the same time I'm like you have know, Batman never stepped in and this this story just like ended up with Scarecrow like in a shovel in the with a shovel in the woods in a truck like well, I would yeah, have been I would have been totally okay with that too. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it it there there've been I'm sure lots of pages and you know hours long uh youtube videos made on like you know the philosophical questions of you know using force and like as explained in superhero comics and right 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 all, all, so anyway all of that, that <laughs> oh you didn't that, you, you didn't you didn't want me to start my three hour uh monologue no no no, about, no, no, about no. That? let's not set up the ted talk i saw uh, you i uh, saw the uh the first slide come on the screen and i was like well anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you're like yeah you were you see me just, well, so philosophically about like as soon as like Nick, like guys, you should have seen his face. Like as soon as I said, like, well, philosophically, Nick's just like, oh, Jesus Christ. No. So okay, anyway, moving back on. to back to going straight.
which is the the framing device of this piece. We're back into uh, Bruce Tim drawing some wonderful, wonderful drawings. We get a, a three quarter splash of Alfred thinking so many attempts and so many failures for rehabilitation. And Bruce Tim draws the Riddler, Two Face, Joker, Croc, uh, Poison Ivy, Penguin, Mad Hatter, Ventriloquist, and Harlequin all in this big splash. The color looks great. It's all in blues. They really like they're working with a limited palette. It looks fantastic. Alfred's musing is there hope for any of them? And, you know, he's like, if they conquer the demons that drive them, maybe. But like, if not, they'll face me again and again. And we cut to Roxy, who's straighten up and flying right, except now she's breaking into a fly right air cargo company. I just want to say, though, yeah, she they 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 focus in on Roxy giving the thumbs up and the wink. And yeah. I just I just like I stayed on that page for a bit because I'm just like, God, I love that character design. That's just yeah, that's just such I, a great character. Like design. I said, Roxy, I never really enjoyed her in the show, I think because the show. For me at the time when I was like rewatching over and over and over again i was just getting used to all of these characters in the bat family and like i was like oh i want a joker episode i want a poison ivy episode i want more Catwoman. i want more killer croc you know like i was like i want Clayface. i want all these stuff and then like roxy seemed kind of pedestrian to me and she wasn't she like i said she didn't hit the mainline continuity until 2008 so it's like I, the Roxy episode never really resonated with me. It always felt like it was just like, ah, monster of the week, whatever, who cares? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it, it obviously seems then like a deep cut that they wanted to revisit, that they were like, no, 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 no. Right. This song's actually really good, guys. I know it hasn't gotten popular yet, but you know, people will like it. People will like right. it. And that's the thing is like when uh, the story here with Roxy, and especially in the second part that I'm about to go into, like made me be like, Oh, I kind of like Roxy. Like, yeah, she's kind of super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, straight up with fly, right? She said, then last night, a security camera at the fly, right? Air cargo company picked this up and it's Roxy emptying a safe that looks like it was blown up. It's Gordon and Batman going over the security footage. And Gordon's like, looks like Roxy's back in action. Batman's like, so it seems he just kind of narrows his eyes. Funny thing is, she really, I really thought she was going to go straight. And we cut to Gotham Airport in a windswept, like a blood red sky. Uh, Roxy in, in a trench coat with a bag. You know, she's about to get on Gotham Air and get the heck out of there. I'm, I'm sorry, about to get on a plane with prop engines in a world yep. that also has giant computers. Just yep. still, again, because like, like, you know what? This design's cooler. Yeah, that's that's the time that's the time period that Batman, the animated series and Batman Adventures takes place in is that does it look cool? Then, yeah, that's We're our time it. period. It, it looks yes. cool. That's yeah. that's it. Batman stops what you think is Roxy and he's like, you're not getting on that plane, Selena. And she's like, how'd you know it was me? He's like, I saw the security tape. You might have borrowed Roxy's look, but your body language is pure Catwoman. And she's like. And here I thought all you ever noticed were my eyes. And I'm like, we're flirting already. We're three panels in and we're just we're just heating it up. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, that that's uh, that's yeah, that's the low simmer horny of Catwoman. (laughs) 
Yeah. And you know what? I've, I've used that line so many times. Real life, <laughs> totally a passable line. Everybody, my official. Is <laughs> that so a line we, that will totally work? No sarcasm behind my voice at all. So Catwoman is like, I'll try to be less obvious in the future. She kind of vaults up to the uh, top of the plane, trying to get away from Batman. And then we get a great shot of basically her POV looking down at Batman as he's running up the stairs to like chase after her. And there's a shadow of the plane and a shadow of her as she's kind of like throws off the coat and is in the Catwoman suit, which we get in the next page. It's a, a uh, g- almost a giant splash of her just like feet first right in the chin of Batman, like nails him. In her, in her full Catwoman gear. Love the storytelling here. Bruce Tim again, a fucking master. Just well, like nailed it. Yeah, you can feel the fun he's having right. while doing this. Like obviously the work of a consummate professional, but still like, yes. he's like, oh no, no, but I'm, it, here, here's time for a bi- bi- big old full body yeah. Catwoman kicking Batman in the face. Yeah, and Batman takes a scratch. He flips Catwoman. She scratches him back. They kind of like tussle. Catwoman tries to get away. She kind of like knocks over these this giant pallet of boxes, half bearing Batman. He's kind of dazed. She's getting away. You know, it looks like she's home free. And then she turns around and audibly gasps. And this is another page turn. And we turn the page and it's Roxy Rocket. And she's like, hi there. She like blasts through on her sci-fi rocket. Catwoman dives for cover. She's like, uh, I suppose it doesn't matter that I only stole the money to buy a pair of precious white tiger cubs from a sleazy poacher who have just skinned them otherwise. She's like, not really, no. And she's blasted away with her laser gun. Like Roxy Rockets like laying down fire. You know, Batman eventually catches up there, knocks Roxy Rocket off the rocket because he's like, I don't want to deal with either of you people. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he's like, it's over, Selena. Selena grabs Roxy Rocket and she's like, maybe for the kid here, back off or the rookie gets it because Roxy's new to being a hero or a villain. She's got her claws out across Roxy's neck and Batman's like, you're no killer. And Roxy's like sweating and she's like, first time for everything. And Roxy kicks Catwoman in the shins Gives her gives her a little elbow to the ribs. She's like, not tonight, baby cakes. <laughs> <laughs> and for the last time, the name's Roxy and just like slugs her hard. Oh, yeah, fucking haymaker. Just haymaker. Yeah. And you could tell that like Roxy is enjoying every minute of this. Oh, yeah. As, as much as everybody else is. Like she oh, is yeah. no damsel in distress. Catwoman staggers. She starts to go off the building. Roxy goes after her. She's like, no, I didn't mean to. Cause she's like worried that Catwoman's going to die, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause she, Cause got, a, pretty, she got a good heart. They're on a tall building and she's got a good heart. Yeah. Uh, gr- tries to grab Catwoman, gets scratched up instead. And uh, Catwoman falls off the building. Batman says, don't worry. She's at least got eight more lives. And it's like a, an a alleyway with papers blowing through it. Batman's like, you know, Keep your nose clean. Leave the hero stuff to me. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he takes he, uh, of course, in typical Batman fashion, like vanishes mid conversation with Roxy. Yeah. And then she's like, 
she's trying to make a pitch for Batman and Roxy, the dynamic duo, you know, and she's like, what do you say? Batman and Roxy got a nice ring to it. Don't you think? And she realizes Batman's gone. She's like, okay, fine. But I got to tell you, I like a guy who plays hard to get. Oof, what a man. Perfect ending. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, aud- I audibly in my empty living room laughed out loud when I, I'm yeah. like, so great. Again, just great jokes. Great. Yep. You know, great action, great jokes. Bruce Tim again, drawing the hell out of this thing like a house on fire. Yeah. Just so good. Just so good. Yeah. So we get we get our next story out of the frame. We're out of the framework of the whole annual, but we get one more story, Jason. We get the yeah. encore. Yeah. Yeah. A little little encore here with the Joker in laughter after midnight. And we open with uh, <laughs> before, we, before we open, before we open, mm. there is a slight adjustment to the roster here which is mm. that oh, John yeah. Byrne is penciling this. <laughs> so John Byrne on pencils, Paul Dini writing. Everybody else is the same, except Bruce Tim is now coloring this story. So yeah, it looks, it has a different feel to it, slightly different. Uh, Bruce Tim, we know, is a competent, uh, not only competent, excellent colorist from the work that he did coloring himself on the holiday special. Yeah. The Joker in Laughter After Midnight, and we open with the Joker just falling out of the sky straight into a, a pond in a park. Yep. And just crawling out of it after oh, he gets dumped or from a blimp <laughs> and crawling out of the water. He goes, It's okay. Don't get up. I'm fine to mm-hmm. whatever, which just appreciate. Oh, one more thing at the top, though, about John Byrne and his art in this. I very much appreciate that he augmented his style, not completely, but enough to Just fit a little more bit. with the animated. Yeah. You know, yeah. It feels like, like a John Byrne riff on the animated series. Which yeah. Is yeah. Pretty great. Yeah. Cause great. it's not like, yeah, it's not like classic John Byrne with like uh, what I like. I always in my head call a uh, Jack Kirby hands, which, you know, one yeah. of the things I love about John Byrne's art, but it's, you know, very, very, very Kirby is his is his style. Um, and so Joker's crawling out and oh yeah, throw me out of the police blimp, will you? Why I oughta and just uh, you know, tries to you know, pulls out a gun. He's like he's gonna shoot down the blimp and just kinda uh, oh, that's the point. I'm just gonna go home. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> And uh, as he's like just trudging home, he just walks walks past a, a store window and sees his reflection and sees all the bruises and marks on his face. And we flash back to what got him sent from the police blimp, which was Batman just kicking the ever loving shit out of him. Of course. And just goes, ah, that's going to hurt in the morning and tries to laugh it off. Joker yeah. just laughing, laughing, laughing until like a maniac, <laughs> like laughter over the entire. It's it's panels and panels of Joker just laughing and the laughter is taking up like the whole panel basically yeah. over the city, over everywhere. Yeah. And then he uh, and the laughter is interrupted by a shoe just getting thrown straight into his face and someone yeah. yelling, 
Shut up! It's 3.30 in the morning for Pete's sake. People are trying to sleep here. Yeah, yeah. And the Joker offers his apologies and lets him know this he won't be disturbed again. And just next panel opens up with his apartment on fire. Yeah, yeah. Joker has set the apartment on fire. He's like, don't worry about it. You won't be disturbed again. <laughs> yeah, and, and he, fe- he, fe- he feels sorry for people who can't appreciate a good laugh. Which yep. again, like, and I, I mentioned before, but man, just Mark Hamill's voice, just Mark Hamill's Joker voice, just immediate, yeah. just ringing in your ha- ears. Yeah. 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 It's just what I hear in my head. And Joker's, uh, you know, realizes he's a little hungry when he walks in front of a donut shop, a Dipsy Donuts, and there's a bored young person doing a crossword because it's 3.30 in the morning, you know, so yep. no one in a donut shop right now, except for the Joker who asked for a recommendation and uh, he's like, uh, very obviously terrifies. Like most people just get the jelly and uh, he's frantically reaching for the cash register. It's like, Oh, just didn't, and I'll, I'll give you Mr. Joker. The, 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 and he's the Joker's calm down. Calm yeah. Yeah. Down. Yeah. The kid's panicking. He thinks he's going to get murdered. Joker's just like, I'm just funning with you kid. Yeah. He's and like, he really? Ha- yeah. And he hands him, he hands him a buck. He hands him the money for the donuts he took. And oh, what's that? It's got Joker's face on it. And it's has some of his uh, Joker venom. Yeah. You know, and kid touches the dollar bill. It gets absorbed through the skin and he is a smiling corpse. Yep. Big, yeah. Big, big freaky smile. Yeah. Which, which like, uh, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. Joker just kills people. And after he gets his donuts, he decides to, you know, see what's going on in the new. Oh, it's, it might be the early edition at the uh, newsstand now. Yep, yep. And newsstands getting stocked. You know, give, gives him the old Joker poison again. Gives gives him yep. that smile and t- takes the paper, which uh, lets you know that the Joker's still at large. And he's like, you know, what? Uh, I'm gonna call a ride and just walks into a phone booth and uh, tries tries calling up Harley Quinn. He just goes, hello. I just, I love this too, just the automatic. I love this in any old story where people just pick up the phone. They're like, we don't want to take the time to dial shit. We don't want to just right, pick right, it up. Right, 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 yeah. Connect me. Let's just get to the conversation. Like, come on. And Harley is, uh, he's like, uh, Puddin', uh, uh, hello, it's you. And Joker's like, I know you're excited, but like, you sound a little weird, but why don't you come pick me up and... She's like, I don't think I can. And he freaks out. It's like, well, why not? And we see that Harley's actually being held by yeah. the cops, I'm assuming. Yeah, she's maybe cuffed, some she's stuff. cuffed yeah. Oh, to yeah, the it table. It's definitely yeah. the cops. She's cuffed to the table. There's like eight guys around. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's in she's in like prison where and yeah, uh, yeah. They're like she's ask, trying to figure ask out. him where he is. Because yeah, they're, yeah. they're trying to track down the Joker just as much as anybody else. The Joker's yeah. still at large. They know he's out there. They know he might lean on Harley Quinn. So, you know. Yeah. But who who happens by him, though? But uh, a Gotham City, just a Gotham City patrolman who's like, oh, God. Oh, the, uh, uh, it's like, oh, there he is. He, I love his exclamation of, holy Joe. I, I yeah. always love, I, I always love any sort of like Hayes Code style, like replacement for, sure, you know, sure, like sure. Jiminy Willikers or, you yeah, know, yeah. like that, that, that kind of thing. So that, that kind of hapless patrolman notices Joker's, a Joker. Yeah. Joker's unarmed, 
hapless patrolman, yeah. gun drawn on the Joker. He's got him dead to rights, right? Well, is he is he unarmed? He's he is unarmed, but he's not on jelly donutted. <laughs> yes, he has the jelly donut, squishes it into the cop's face, and then knocks him out and steals yeah. the car. Yeah, then just just uppercut and he's just like, ah, well, at least at, like, as he leaves laughing, he's like, that's past my bedtime and I must be getting home. I can't wait to see whose it will be. <laughs> Which is just such uh, a... It, very it, good. Such a, oh yeah, and it's such a great... That's just such a wonderful kind of encore final story of like you know like i was saying before like yeah we we know we need a joker story but where does it fit in with this like uh, uh criminals trying to be reformed because joker is never that's not his character to ever try to be anything other than himself sure sure yeah you know so like but but we need a joker story this is an annual we need all the heavy right. hitters we need the joker in here and so they, that's that's the end of the annual what did you think of it Oh, I fucking loved it. I've, uh, other you than a, you got a favorite in there, um, uh, it's it's kind of a tie between the Harley story and the Joker story because I really appreciated. Um, I love them all, by the way. But like, if I'm yeah, like choosing my favorite among them, like it's it's hard to choose between the Harley story and the Joker story because the Joker story was great because it's. It's just this like funny little yeah. It's Joker like trying to get home. life antics. Like he's just pulling pranks on people and murdering his way through town, which is like kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. But the Harley one was just so I I so um so there's a million ways to make comics uh and but I always appreciate whenever anybody tries to do the uh, mostly if not all pantomime like very little. Uh, uh, dialogue or, or expository text because uh, yeah. it, it, it can be um, uh, it can be harder than you think for sure you know it kind of like making uh, just a fully instrumental like rock song which like you can do obviously a lot of people do it to great effect but without having like words kind of carry a thing can be you know give you unexpected you know hardships so like that that's what the Harley Quinn story really jumps out to me but the Joker story just I don't know. I, th I think, I think it edges fun. it out. Yeah, it just edges yeah. it out a little bit because it's so different. But also, like, I really it's appreciate... It's also, like, a treat to see John Byrne doing animated stuff, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not the biggest say, John yeah. Byrne fan to begin with, but, like, seeing, I don't know, any mainstream writer tackle, or any mainstream artist tackle animated stuff and kind of adjust their style to the animated series is just a treat. It's just a treat. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like it's like when a musician known for like, you know, some other style like sings with like a, a jazz ensemble or sings yeah, with like yeah, a, you yeah. know, a symphony. It's like it's like they're they're still they still have their style, like, but they're mm -hmm. trying to do their style in in the standard, you know. Did you have anyone that like just just hit you right away and didn't like I go? mean Bruce Tim stuff's just so good. Like I'm just yeah. such a sucker. I, did I tell you I I we talked about this a little bit in the in the holiday issue pod where I was talking about how uh, he did a short story for the Vertigo imprint uh, book Flinch the uh, horror oh, he, imprint. Yeah, I was telling you about that. Yeah, I yeah. I ended up rebuying some some of those and I bought the I brought the Bruce Tim one because man he just. 
there's something about the way that he makes books and I don't even know if I can like totally put my finger on it. It's just extremely compelling. It's just the action is, is super readable, but like it's super readable in a way where you're like strapped in the whole time. It's always thrilling. It's always good. It's always solid. You never like get confused. Like it just, there's something about Bruce Tim that is just lightning in a bottle that I can't put my finger on. It's like, I, I like all the John Byrne stuff, right? Yeah. I love the Byrne story and the art in it is really great, but I can see as like somebody who's stared at line art for like 20 years, like I can see the pieces moving around. I can see the cogs like John Byrne drew this story in a particular way to to like uh, provoke certain emotions from you as you're reading it. Like that's it. It makes sense to me when Bruce Tim draws something. I'm like, I panel to panel. I feel like I don't know what's going to happen next. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's a, that's a really good description of it because it's not like, like on the surface, it doesn't seem like he's doing something that much different as to someone, the caliber of like, like you said, that John Byrne would be doing is John Byrne obviously like has his, has his yeah. bona fides and like has think, has his like proven track I, record, but I think it's I think it's because like John Byrne has so much superhero comics under his belt, and there's a specific way that superhero comics are kind of like best made. Yeah, that and because I colored a lot of superhero comics, I can kind of like see the punches before they're thrown, kind of thing when I yeah. see John Byrne stuff. But mm-hmm. because Bruce Tim does animation. He's coming at it from an animation background. It's just like panel to panel storytelling is just so different. And it's it there's so much more emphasis on movement that like I just I feel thrilled every time I every time I read a Bruce Tim thing. Well, but do do you also feel because any Bruce Tim comic that I've uh ever read, and I, I think I've brought this up before too, that like it like of course, the there his animation background influences how he's going to tell the story. I also always read it as like, no, he also like really on a deep level understands comic books. Absolutely, and, you know, on like a far deeper level than you would expect. I think there's you know something. I mean, like I don't know what kind of comics Bruce Tim reads in his spare time, but there's also something that happens with comic book artists in general where they only read other superhero comic books. And so it's like kind of snake eating its own tail kind of thing. Like you never get that kind of like outside influence. Yeah. And I think that Bruce Tim has these like other things that he's drawing, drawing from that make it a little more exciting, a little more unpredictable than like John Byrne necessarily does. Who's like steeped in the culture, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to like the feeling I always got from Bruce Tim especially in reading his comic books and then seeing like also like, you know, being a huge fan of animation that we both are and like knowing some of the ins and outs of that and like how the, how skilled he is in, in that uh, area as well. Uh, but he's seeing also how, how well he does comic books. It makes me kind of assume that he's pretty, he seems to be pretty widely uh, uh, read, you know, yeah, and like, and absolutely. you can pick your, and you can pick your medium that I'm sure he's more uh, pretty widely read in, which is which is something that I, just as a, a viewer or reader or whatever, 
try my level best to do. And I really enjoy it. Like I really enjoy the stuff that I might not understand or like, oh, here's this weird art film from like, you know, Hungary and uh, Hungary in like the fifties that people yeah. say is that it's like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll, I'll see like, and maybe it'll affect me. Maybe it won't, but like, but that's kind of sometimes what you get. Like he's, when you're not so steeped in like one particular thing, yeah. you know, of, of like everything that you, man, uh, I am just absolutely begging comic artists to consume other types of art, please, please. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's the whole, it's the whole thing of, you know, how do you become, how do I become a better, uh, what is it? Someone, I remember comedians will give this advice all the time. Even people are like, how do I become a good stand-up comedian? And a lot of comedians will be like, take an acting class. Even if you never want to act, even if you take an acting class because techniques in acting can really help you when yeah. you're doing standup. And it's as a younger person, uh, and probably even when you're starting out in your career, you're probably like, like if you want to draw superhero books, you're like, yeah, but I got to really get superheroes down. So all I'm going to do is read and draw superheroes. Right. And it's like, well, no, if you actually, actually, if you try to like, just as a lark, like, I don't know, recreate like a Pollock painting, in, right. in, in a weird way that's going to inform. there's value in there it will inform something else like i yeah i felt like my i was getting kind of like stuck in a rut at a certain point in my career and i started drawing a little bit more and started making me think about forms just like a little bit differently and i hadn't drawn for like a long time and now i draw off and on uh as as much as i can because i noticed that like once i started drawing and i started thinking about forms in space as far as like line art and cartooning it informed my coloring in a way where like the volumes uh got a little more richer uh yeah and i and i think that there's it goes a long way i feel like you know just trying to do other things trying to enjoy other kinds of art like it re it will really help you to be yeah. a better all-around artist. Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 not to say too, just very quickly, not to say that like I'm sure John Byrne as well and all the other artists oh, yeah, 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 are yeah, very yeah. wide, very widely you, like you don't get to John Byrne's level without an appreciation of the arts in general. Yeah, of like very desperate and, and also yeah. like the different and the different uh, over the course of his career, like kind of chances he took that like sometimes worked, sometimes didn't. It's like, no, that's sure. also a mark of like hey, I want to try something different because I'm bored by this other thing. Mm -hmm. So like, let's try a different thing, which, you know, but, but yeah, but Bruce Timm though seems to be like, it's like, you can, it's one of those things where like, you can know all that. I've been trying to formulate these things in my head for other reasons, but like, it's like, you can draw up a plan, right? Like I can be like really into basketball and drawing up plays and I can be like, oh, this is going to be the perfect play. It's like, well, yeah, but I can't just like take a couple of people off the street and then play against an NBA team and have it work. Right, you know, right. so like you can have all these ideas, but you still got to work at being able to execute it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So and like Bruce that, Tim just makes it look easy. Like oh yeah, it's just yeah. effortless. I mean, I'm oh. sure it's effortful, but it's it yes. looks effortless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I get to continue with the basketball analogy. It's like when you see like you know Steph Curry hit a real you know long distance three. It's like oh yeah, no wait, he works on that like way more than you can yeah. ever fucking imagine you know and like probably same with bruce tim you know it's yeah. like oh yeah no 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 it's it's not like the, the the trick is that the magician makes you think you know right 
Like, you know, right. you know, there's a lot of practice that went into that, but it takes on stage takes a five seconds to execute, but like it took sure, sure, sure. years to, to get to it. Yeah. So Jason, Nick, you want to talk, you want to talk some nightfall? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk some nightfall quest ends. Can I can I create the vibe? Oh yeah, create the turn on that smoke machine. Let's let's okay. get jet, okay. get in the jacuz. Night's end is over. Bruce pats Azrael on the butt and tells him to get the heck out of here, you murdering scamp. Bruce wanders back down to the back cave. What a shithole! Dick Grayson and Tim Drake are there by now. The place is absolutely trapped. Computers and pieces. Alfred, Bruce yells, before realizing that Alfred's long gone. Who's going to clean this place? Wait a minute. Tim, now's the time for your training. Get the broom. Tim shuffles off saying something, but we don't catch it. Dick Grayson's behind a pile of shattered glass and busted up computers. I see one thing that's not busted up, he yells before holding up a blender. You know what that means, he says, before Bruce and him both exclaim, Batteritas. <laughs> Dick starts running the blender, gets out the first gallon of Marg mix while Bruce starts muttering, wasting away in Batteritaville. <laughs> Dick hands out the glasses, drops a bat, batbrella in them. Where the hell is Tim? In the distance, echoing in the cave, we hear, you've got a giant fucking penny, but you don't have a fucking trash can down here? Glass is heard being chucked down a hole. Bruce takes a sip of his sixth mark. Man, that Ezreal stuff escalated quickly. Did you see that he was on fire for like four minutes? Dick pipes up. I hit him with a banjo. You sure did, Dick, Bruce replies. Jason, what was your favorite part of Nightfall, Night's Quest, or Night's End? I don't know. I think that. I was kind of hoping you had <laughs> like... Uh, I was hoping that would be another hour. That, I was ready to was, just like... That was, I couldn't stop thinking about like, okay, Asriel leaves, Night's Quest Night Sense over, they're through the ordeal. Like what happens next? And it's, it's, it's bat marks. It's, it, that's what's going on. <laughs> I mean, I mean, sound, so, sounds like a good way to, to unwind <laughs> some, yeah. some, some James Buffett and, uh, and some margaritas just, <laughs> just, just kick back, just be like, you know what? It's, it's all over now. Let's just take a second. Uh, <laughs> I do like the idea of like, yeah, you never see like uh, a trash, just like, you know, vital stuff of like living in a place or like when you're going to be even a sure. home office, you're like, I should get a little trash can for this. this yeah, right. Exactly. You know, this, this is a good. <laughs> uh, I, oh, oh, overall, my thoughts overall on the. It was. Fine. It was fine. There were there were some like. There were some parts that I really liked for how insane it was. There was one part that I thought was actually like a true blue, like really good story. And what was that? What was the true blue, really good story? That was the the Joker uh, Hollywood arc. Yeah, was, that was, was in uh, Night's Quest. That was Joker makes a movie called uh, the first issue was called The Cutting Room Floor. That was Detective Comics 671. Uh, yeah, the reason that, I have that written down and ready to go is because it's a toss up for me between uh that story 
where Joker makes a movie because he's so committed to the bit in that that it's yeah. just a, a constant delight. Yeah. And it's a toss up between that for me and then uh, Bruce getting his groove back, wearing the uh, bat mask and all the ninja stuff and all of that. Oh. When he's like training okay. in the first five issues of Night's End. Yeah, um, that was actually that was really that was really good too. I'll I'll, I'll give it up like, for that. I feel like the 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 color was actually was like really on point. Like the whole team firing on all cylinders. If there were times in that in both of these stories, there were times when it felt like a modern comic and not something from thirty years ago. Like it was just so fresh and so good, and it hit all the right notes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would, and I would say too, as sort of like a final ish judgment or, or whatever on the whole, like nights, you know, uh, nightfall trilogy. Night, yeah, the we'll whole call it the nights trilogy. Yeah, the nights trilogy is that if if you're interested, if you've never read it, the whole thing, to which I can only, when I was a kid, ever really remember reading nightfall and then like all the other stuff i was just like i fucking hate asriel i'm done with this yeah you know but like but so if you've never read the whole thing or only know like a little bit of it i'd recommend reading the whole thing like you know i don't feel like uh, there's obviously better stuff to read on the app (laughs) but uh, sure. I, I think I think if you're a Batman fan, if you've never actually read the whole thing, it's 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 informative. And this is as we this is the thing is that it's if you're a Batman fan, I feel like this is informative to the character. It's informative to the Bat family. It's like the first time Batman like really loses, like really loses. Yeah, and I think that that I think that that stuff is important if you're into the mythos. However, it's tough to be like. You should read this, you know, we need to put Nightfall, Night's Quest, Night's End on the same pedestal as like year one or like uh, Dark Knight Returns. Like it it doesn't measure up to that level. No. But at the same time, it's like, you know, what does? It's like that stuff, Long Halloween, like cla- those are like classic Batman stories that will never go out of print. DC will print them until... Th- there is no more company and then somebody else will pick it up and print it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it gets to that level of, uh, uh, quality, but like once you read that stuff and then you're like, where do I go next? Where do, where's the next piece of Batman for me? Yeah. I feel like nightfall nights quest nights End definitely enters that conversation for sure. Oh, totally. Well, and I, I also think like, you know, it's informative of like, I know we have zero hour up next and, yep. you know, uh, I think it's also, uh, informative of like, you know, as we've said before, of kind of like, this is like one of the first times they really kind of made us made the stab at like, oh, let's try to have this big, like this really big, long yeah. story of, of this dr- huge dramatic thing that, Sometimes, that happened. uh, to the detriment of Catwoman and Robin both trying to like launch their series and like the Robin, the 10 issues that came out in, in nine, in 94, I think 94, maybe 93, maybe it bled in. Anyway, there's like 13 issues and like eight of them are crossover issues for Robin. Like as the thing is launching, like one to 13 has eight issues that are crossovers. And it's just like, oh my God, I don't know what DC is trying to build here. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Well, like that, if I that just was... want a Tim Drake book, like this isn't even it. This is just like supplementary nightfall stuff. Well, well, cause, cause I think it's also like the, the thing that I, I will never be able to, um, I, I, I have a deep hatred of, uh, continuity. I know. Well, more, more so of big event, uh, crossovers yeah. of which, of which this and death of Superman, especially was, yeah. uh, the, it's a money grab. And uh, my, my hate, my yeah. deep hate for it comes from the mass amount of, listen, it wasn't the only thing there were, there was a bunch of shit happening in the nineties and still now in, in direct blaming, market comic are books. Are you blaming crossover but, comics for like taking down the comics industry a peg in the nineties? Cause I don't, I don't, man, that, that's kind of a stretch. Don't it, you think? It, I don't, I don't think so because remember that, um, back then there wasn't a, oh, I missed an issue. I'll just wait for the trade to come out so I can read the whole story. There was, if you didn't get this fucking issue, you, you're going to have to have, you're either going to have to read some character explaining it and then a little editor's note thing of like, see this issue of like Cry of the Huntress, like, you know, right, number right. eight to get the full thing. And it's you just- think that, honest- You think that pushed people out of, like regular readers got pushed out? Yeah, yeah. Well, look at the letters column a lot in in Batman Adventures. Like so many people were saying like, oh, thank God that like I can just like the 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 story's done at the end of the issue. And right. like I can just go know. to the shop, get Batman Adventures, get a Batman story and just be done. <laughs> yeah. Not have to worry about like getting like five other issues, sure. these increasingly more and more expensive single issues. Like they're no longer the equivalent of like 10 cents a pop. Right. And I think I it did. I think it did. Again, it's not. It wasn't the only. There was a bunch, but there's a lot of other stuff going on in the '90s that made it particularly rough. Yes, yes, but like this certainly like didn't help, and especially like it. It also didn't help grow uh, the the readership because it was just all a naked cash grab, either trying to get you to buy as many issues as possible or trying to make you think that this issue will be valuable someday and driving like an investor mentality. And so for that fact alone, while I'm also trying to like have a separate opinion about it, like that can never, I can't, I can't let myself forget about that. You know, I, I guess I, I do see your point and I do agree with you a little bit, but I think when you use the word cash grab, it's, it's like, an incredibly negative thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I I feel like, you know, it at times did feel like a cash grab, but at other times felt like they were genuinely making something or at least trying to swing and, and make something like engaging and interesting. You know what I mean? Like you can make a cash grab and still make a good comic. It's my point. Oh, Oh yeah. No, don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very certain that like, you know, anybody working on like, let's say like, you know, whoever's a director of some like, you know, cash grabby, fuck Marvel or DC film, like whatever the fuck you want to call it or action movie, the people making it are trying their best to make a good story, make a good coherent movie, even if they're like, oh, I know I'm not making like eight and a half or whatever, but like, I still want it to be the best, you know, whatever. But yeah. So yeah, so you're it's that might be like a little harsh uh, term, uh, 
And I don't want to forget the the people who did work very hard on trying to make it. And there were some good shit. There there was some like other, even other than the Joker story. Like I did. Yeah. I got a, and, I got a short list if you want to if you want to run it down with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. First of all, first the top of the pile, Kelly Jones covers man oh. seared into my brain. Like yeah, well, and Sam Keith covers too. I yeah, mean, I know yeah. it was mostly Sam, Kelly Jones, but some mostly Sam Kelly Keith. Jones. Yeah, Sam Keith kind of like trailed off around this the beginning of this era. Uh, previous to this, he was doing a lot of Detective Comics covers. Um, the so in Nightfall, I had uh, all the Mad Hatter stuff I really enjoyed when oh, he's yeah. like when he invites all the criminals to to the tea party, and then they're like, "I'm not going to put on the hat," and he's like, takes out the AK and he's like, "Put on the fucking hat!" So like, <laughs> it's just so so ridiculous and so fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, that- when he got when he got film buff murdered by bane as he was like mind controlling him i was like oh man so good i wish there was a better a higher body count in this i wish that they took this as an opportunity to like really start clearing some house as far as villains go um but the mad hatter stuff resonated because it like it made bane a murderer it made mad hatter crazy as shit and i always enjoy his like again commitment to the bit um Joker and Scarecrow just pranking the mayor the entire time once they were out of oh, out of Arkham. Yes. I, very, I very can't good. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a really Scarecrow really with fun. the half mask up and he's like eating chips and the mayor's terrified and Joker's like, what should we do next? You know? Yeah, it's all it's all pretty goofy, but still scary. Like Yeah, goofy and scary. That stuff's all really great. Um they made uh in particular with this run, they made Firefly a little more scary. Uh, and a little less goofy. He used to be in this like purple, like and green colored costume, kind of a joke character. Yeah, and he was you know setting the zoo on fire in this, and he was in his his like gray suit that like the animated series kind of like made him a little more serious. Um, so it was nice to see him a little more serious. Uh, the end of the, the fight with Firefly, where Batman fell asleep behind a dumpster next to a monkey. I thought it was very enjoyable. There's a lot of like goofy stuff in there in the series that was like, I found enjoyable because it's very silly. But again, the showcase 93 issue of Two-Face that was drawn by Klaus Janssen immediately after Batman broke his back. And he's like in the coma and it's a flashback. Yeah. Klaus Janssen just drew the hell out of it. I think that issue is worth picking up. Even if you don't pick up any other Nightfall Night's Quest stuff, like, yeah, Klaus Jansen, again, from the annual, very, very good in this, in that showcase work, very, very good. Um, The actual issue where Bruce gets his back broken and the issue where Bane holds up his corpse and throws it down the building and they make a real (laughs) meal out of it in like six panels of him going all the way down. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like a Homer falling down the Canyon. It's just going like way longer than you think. Yeah. Yeah. I would have, if the whole issue was just Bruce falling down the building, I would have very much enjoyed that. Oh my Uh, God. Yeah. It would have been like the, uh, the, the famous, uh, (laughs) which you worked on the famous, uh, monkey issue of powers. If it was just that. Yeah, just yeah. no words, no nothing. Just I've done so much powers at this point. I actually don't know if I worked on the monkey issue. Like, yeah, afraid, yeah if that was before, if that if, might if have been right just before. before. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not. Exa- I'm not totally sure. You might be right. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> uh, 
But I, 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 t- I totally would have loved an issue of just that. <laughs> those two That's issues it. of uh, Batman uh, uh, getting his back broken by Bane and the the Bane asserting his like dominance over Gotham, I thought both those issues were very good. The gambit running up to those issues was terrible. Like the, you know, he's going to run my gauntlet and it's like his three goons and they just get taken out in like two pages. I'm just like, eh, whatever. Yeah. This is, this is the stuff where they're like, they kind of like have an idea of where they're going, but they don't get there very well, which I feel like was a chronic problem of of these books. Yeah. Like I never, I never thought that like, you know, like when I was a kid, of course, like, you know, watching Batman get wrecked, it was like, holy shit, like they actually like, you know, this is serious. Now Batman can't walk, you know, but like, yeah, now, now, you know, reading it now, it's like, oh, Bane doesn't seem that threatening. Like, I know what's going to happen, but he. See, the thing is, I feel like he does in Batman 497 when he breaks his back, when they fight yeah. through the, the mansion and the Batcave and Bane's just kicking out the shit out of him for like a full issue. Like, yeah. That I was like, oh damn, like that's brutal. But like, yeah, everything else, I was like, this sucks. Like the weird robot that like breaks into the the armory, and then the bird carrying the balloon with the bomb in it to break out Arkham. It's just like it's just so stupid, Jason. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, in Night's Quest, here's the stuff that I enjoyed. Asriel being absolutely shit at detective work was always a delight. Asriel choking Robin and then Robin bringing it up literally every time we see him in a new issue. Was, well, I, I, mean, I thought was a real enjoyable experience. I, I also, yeah, I do. I do think that I found that really funny too, because it's like, it's like, Oh, me being almost choked out has really scared me of Asriel. It's like, kid, you've, done nothing but got the shit kicked out of you most of the time like you're robbing we read we read his his mini before this and he was like in the room as a man fell into a printing press to be ground to death i'm like yeah robin robin you've been around some shit but like you know this is the thing that causes you causes you ptsd not all the other shit that should have caused you ptsd like Uh, this one but I get okay. that they, because of like the newsstand and they got to catch people up if they missed an issue, Robin yeah. has to be like, remember this time. But like that, he brought it up so much that it translated into this weird space of Robin being like, of everyone being like, hey, Robin, like, give it a rest. Yeah. You fucking weirdo. It's like, yeah, we get it. Uh, this was the Joker makes a movie that was in the Night's Quest. Yep. That stuff was excellent. The EC horror of Abattoir, like, was all really, really great. Um, the orphans who can't catch a break, quality comics, quality I, comics. But those, see, like, I think that, like, that, I mean, yes, that was fun. So, like, that, that's kind of what I meant, like, at the top when I was like, when I was like, if you're kind of interested in this, like, I, I don't think the entire Night's Fall, Night's Quest, Night's End, I don't think the entire thing is like a waste of your time to read the entire thing. No. You know? Uh, be, because of stuff like that, because it's like okay, that's right. just good fun, and but it's like the orphan stuff is like they don't specifically go out of your way to be like, man, these orphans can't catch a break. Like they're not. It feels like the writers aren't really in on the joke. They're playing it very serious. Yes, and then 
us reading it, I'm like, I am having a blast with these orphans. You know? yeah. yeah, with these with these terrified, traumatized orphans. This is like yeah. No, I, uh, I agree. I agree. Uh the one clayface when in the clayface arc, the one page of the cops complaining about how many goddamn clay faces there are, oh, like God. literally pages before they introduce a new clayface. Yes, <laughs> like, and, and- I'll carry that one with me for a long time. <laughs> yeah, the very the the very naked um contempt for certain characters and stuff when you know <laughs> yeah, they were yeah, just like yeah. I fucking hate these guys. Uh and then Night's End was very quick. Uh the Bruce Wayne Batmask ninja stuff of him like getting his groove back basically. All that stuff is is actual killer comics. It's just very very good. Yeah. Um Asriel setting himself on fire on the bridge and then coming up and being like, I won. I thought that was very enjoyable and very true to Asriel's character. <laughs> I, I um, did I, I did enjoy once uh, Dick Grayson showed up. So like here's Nightwing and here's yeah. like, you know, the 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 first Robin. And he's like, even within this time, he's like a, a really well-established on his own character who can handle himself and this, that, and the other thing. And it's still like, gee golly gosh you killed the batman and that doesn't you know it's like oh there's a little bit like i think that's a just a product of the time though because like the people writing the the stuff are in their 40s and they grew up with a batman of a different era there's like growing pains that are happening especially in the 90s between yeah do we want this hokey batman or do we want a grim dark serious thing and Every once in a while, that like hokiness comes through, and you're just like, "Oh, oh, okay, yeah, exactly." Uh, yeah, that's what like really. It's like, yeah, oh, Batman's broken, and will he ever get back? And people have died, and here's this yeah. real killer, and Jean Paul Batman's going insane, and it's just like Jiminy Jilliker's radioactive man. <laughs> it's like, oh nope, here, here we are. Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's everything that I wrote down that I like genuinely enjoyed out of nightfall. I think the best stuff is the, the Joker makes a movie and the Bruce Wayne bat mask stuff. If you like ninjas and daredevil and stuff like that, you'll really enjoy the Bruce Wayne bat mask stuff of night's end. The first five issues of that. And then the Joker makes a movie like you could put that in a trade paperback and sell it. It's just such a solid story. Just standalone. Like you just, you need to know that Asriel is Batman. It's not really Bruce Wayne, but like, that becomes kind of a twist in it as the Joker figures it out. So it's yeah. kind of like it kind of be fun to like be along for the ride and not even know about like the context of Nightfall Night's Quest. Like that yeah. stuff just it just kill it kills me, Jason. It kills me that that's a fucking Chuck Dixon book because I really have not liked a lot of Chuck Dixon books as in the lead up here. <laughs> he he's he's a solid writer though. You know he he is, yeah, like, he is a solid writer. Just every once in a while, he just comes through with like a very clear direction that's very fun. They murder Cisco. I just did um a rough cuts podcast for Godzilla '98, and there's a Siskel and Ebert analog in that movie as well. And in it, uh, we watched so we watched Godzilla '98, and then we watched Siskel and Ebert's review of Godzilla '98, and they were like, "You put us in the movie, and you don't even have Godzilla murder us. Like, what the hell?" Like, why are we even there? And That's, and I was like, yeah. I was like, right. I was like, Joker, like, is trying to make this movie. It's all going wrong. 
it's like not ending up killing the Batman. And then like Siskel and Ebert's like, I don't know, man, things falling apart. And Joker's like, just murders them, just shoots them in the head. <laughs> yeah. And, and which, and which I, I enjoy because like, if, if, if like, you know, it's like the Siskel and Ebert being critics, it's like, yeah, they, they, they knew that like, you know, obviously why people wouldn't like them. And so they're like, yeah, I get sure. why you yeah, kill all right with it's, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but just to, at least kill me with Godzilla. Like at least that'd be right. pretty right. cool. Point like, come was- on. Your point was like, if you're gonna like grind this petty like axe, if you've got this petty axe to grind, yeah, then like do it. At least do it creatively. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, go for yeah. it. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. No, I, I I agree. I also think that like I do want to give special mention to the um like the the abattoir story, which I don't uh think I would have enjoyed as much without the intentionality of uh of the editor writer or whoever you know it was that was like oh I, I the style of artist that would be best for this and that we should get is someone that could do a horror comic style because this is a more of a horror comic vi- and to and to have right. that intentionality behind it is still I, I just really appreciated it because it's like yeah. they obviously knew that like yeah no this is gonna fit the vibe better and i like right. talking about right. before about the the minutiae of the creative process is just it's like Oh man, such a great yeah. choice. Cause like I felt like I felt like everything aligned really well on those those issues. When Avatar was at its his creepiest, it was super fun. I feel like he didn't mix well with um Clayface. Because Clayface no. is a very straightforward, like super villain thing. Yeah. And Avatar is like doing his own horror thing and like putting them together, they didn't just didn't really mesh well. Um, yeah. Yeah, but 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 it is it is nice to see, and especially in the um, the 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 added layer of difficulty of it being a big mainstream title and right. how chaotic the getting together a team of people and keeping them together even for a month yeah, because like yeah. if a if an artist gets sick for like two days they might just right. have to be like I can't do the book anymore because I'm only yeah, five we pages had, in and we I had lost Jim two Bell days and, uh, step in a couple times for. Mike Manley, I think it's just because Mike probably just needed a fucking break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, but but to be able to still uh, pull that off as an organization and as a team, yeah. like that kind of you know of intentionality that, is is great. One of the things that I uh, didn't realize until this read of Nightfall Night's Quest, I said, and I've read it twice before. Once when it originally came out when I was a teen, and then. Uh, maybe like 15, 20 years ago. So like when I was in my mid twenties ish, yeah. uh, I both those, both of those times, I don't think I really picked up on how much Asriel sucks so bad. Like, <laughs> like he, when I, when I read it before it was like, Oh, he's grim dark, but he's capable. And it's yeah. like, no, he's not actually very capable. Like he's not good at detective work. He's like not good at like really running the street. He's really only good at like lashing out at muggers. And I thought that that was an interesting read. And it's especially interesting because we're going to get into zero hour, but fans, fans of Batman were not happy with Asriel. And the only reason I, I was reading a little bit about this, the only reason he got a shot at his own ongoing monthly was because there was a he got a good story 
in uh, the showcase books. So mm. there's going to be zero hour and then the next month after that, which encapsulates a couple of showcase books. And then uh, after that, there's an Asriel issue. And I think that Asriel issue primed the audience for like what this character can potentially be on his own. Um, and so I'm I'm excited to read that. I I'm ex- even if it's just Asriel yelling at ghosts and doing a high speed tai chi, like high I'm kind of I'm kind of down for oh. at least a handful of issues. I'll try man. it. I'll try it, man. You got fucking t-shirts that say high speed tai chi, man. That, yeah. that's, <laughs> that just like sounds oh, like that, that, I, you, I I almost forgot too. We got jacked Riddler in the beginning. He got oh, shot yeah. up full of the Bane Venom and started yeah. like going to town on Batman. Oh, Jack shit. Riddler, high speed Tai Chi. Man, the gift that keeps on giving. Nightfall, yeah. Night's Quest, Night's End. I just, lo- I just love high, high speed. You know what high speed Tai Chi is going to be? High, high speed Tai Chi is going to be my... Uh, is going to be my sham like wellness venture that I'm going to start. I thought you, you were going to be like, high speed Tai Chi is going to be my Japanese speed metal band. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. There's, there's no money in that. This is all about there's scamming. No okay. This is all about all scamming. Right. And you know what? And better yet, if I can scam people with just like, oh, here's just you flailing your limbs. You know, I'm not trying to sell people like, you know, something, some substance right. that might make them sick. Right. I'm just like, oh, no, this will uh, cure. You're not, uh, you're not interested whatever. in doing harm. You're interested in their money. Yeah, and I just want them to like flap their arms a bit. I'd be like, "Oh, you're diabetic? Yeah. No, this won't cure your diabetes. Still take your insulin, please, because I don't want you to die." But uh, yes. flap your arms because it'll make it five uh, percent better. But still take the insulin and medicine at a regular dose. I'm gonna I'm gonna play it very. Uh, I'm gonna walk a thin line there. Walk <laughs> a thin line. Looking like a true grifter. Yeah. Jason, if people want to be aware that you're grifting, where can they find your latest grifts? <laughs> you can find my latest grifts on uh, Twitter.com at, <laughs> at, uh, at King of Black Acid. Uh, also at World Second Finest when I remember to update that we have a new episode gotta out. Update. We gotta um, update. I'll tell you what happened. Real quick story. I was, because the last issue at the time of uh, us recording was a t- the Two Face issue. I, mm-hmm. um, in a joke that I think only you and me and three of our friends from like 20 years ago would have really appreciated, was trying to uh, make a parody song out of uh, the song Blind by Face to Face. Jason, you're really narrow casting. You're, I know. We're, we're, we're really in the, in the niche. We're making something for us only. <laughs> I know that's what stopped me. I had something sort of written, but I was like, it's uh, not, I yeah. was, and, and then I'm going to, I'm going to take face a mulligan and blame my back, be, but. Face to face would be two faces favorite band. That makes a lot of sense. I see where, I see where you're coming from. It, 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 it would. And, but I just, so apologies to that, but yes, you can find us at world second finest. That's world second with the, with the number two. Uh, yeah, that's, you can, you know, if you, if you engage with me, I'll engage with you back. I, you know, I keep yeah, it yeah. light. It's social media. I check, in on, I check in on that every once in a while too. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at linktree.com slash Nickville. That's got all my links to everywhere. Twitch, YouTube, 
uh, Twitter, co-host, Tumblr, Live Journal, Makeout Club, all of it. Uh, Dead Journal. Also, I was just on, I, I had mentioned this in the pod, but I was just on another pod, uh, Rough Cuts. We watched Godzilla 98. You should check out that episode if you like Godzilla. Um, or you should check out that episode if you don't like good movies, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It was a very fun, very fun pod to do, though. Uh, I always like doing a guest spot over there. Um, I don't know if there's really anything else to, to uh, check out. On. Check out Nick's uh, Twitch channel. Uh, I would oh, also yeah, say... Man. I would also say too, if you're if you're if you're just generally a comic book fan, uh, but not really wanting to like you know try to break into the industry or anything, I'd still recommend like you know whenever Nick does a portfolio review or things like that, like jump on because it might like kind of inform you a bit more of like oh that's how these things happen. This is the thought that goes behind it. Like I appreciate just, uh, that. I yeah. uh, I just finished an Andy Kubert X Men piece. That was uh, original cover for Wizard Magazine in the 90s. Oh, uh, yeah. Which, was, which yeah. is pretty fun. I just did that on, on Twitch, and uh, I got a portfolio review coming up. And the portfolio is actually really solid. I don't, I don't know exactly what I'm going to critique in there. We're gonna, when, once I get into the nuts and bolts, I gave it a cursory look, and I was like, oh, this is really good. This, good, this dude's ready, ready to work. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens with that one. Um, Next pod, we're going to be back to our regular format. It's going to be Batman Adventures issue uh, 24. And like I said, we're going to have zero hour going. We kicked around maybe doing a two read pile Doom Patrol. But let me tell you, Jason, I think I got to I think I got to kick that one to the pod after the, okay. the I, 25 because zero hour is like 30 goddamn comic books. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's and my friend Ziggy gave me advice. He was like, don't read all of Zero Hour. He was like, that's a fool's errand. He was like, read the four issues of Zero Hour and then read the Batman stuff and then like skip all the other like Hawkman tie-ins and showcase tie-ins. He was like, that's all. He's like, every event is 80% bullshit. And I was like, yeah, yeah. But Jason, here's the thing. Yeah, I have the app. I have the app. The issues are there. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Sure. Sure, but I, I do appreciate that word of advice. Uh, I won't mention the I, I won't mention the series, but there was a sci-fi book series that I was thinking about getting into, and I talked to a, a friend of mine about it. I was like, "Oh yeah," because I've only read a few of like you know the other books and blah blah blah. And I was like, I was thinking about starting to read the whole you know read the whole thing. Like I know he's like, "You don't need to read the whole thing, man." He's like, "Truly," he's like, <laughs> he's like, read, he's like, really just read these five. He's like, if you really like it after that, you know whatever. But he's like, I would really recommend if you haven't you know, ever like just, you know, cause it's like, oh, this is coming from like a devoted fan who like right, right. is a completionist. who's just like, obviously yeah. like read some books and the whole time going like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> and it's like trying to save me. So, so, so very, very much appreciated that kind of, uh, that I can't, kind of I can't wait to put my own headspace there as I'm reading a, a one and only Hawkman issue that I'm never going to read another Hawkman issue. It's just going to oh. be that one. That's gonna be it. No, no. Get see, this re- is how it happens. Strap this, in, Jason. This, this is how it happens. This is like, man. Speaking of '90s, this is like an after-school special. It'll be like, oh well, one little puff on this marijuana cigarette isn't gonna hurt, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> you're 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 shooting up and talking to Bugs Bunny in an alleyway. <laughs> are you saying, are you saying, Jason, that I'm gonna have one one issue of Hawkman under my belt, 
and then it's um, right into heroin in an alleyway. Yeah, it's a gateway drug, man. God, someone didn't pay <laughs> attention right. and dare. Let's, let's close this podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Well, an interesting fact about uh, John Byrne, this is kind of a, uh, a Connecticut fact, but John Byrne, I believe, was born in the United Kingdom. Yeah. And uh, eventually, after he became John Byrne successful, you know, in, in comic books and started making some money, had actually moved to the States. I don't know if he still lives here, but he moved to Connecticut specifically. Did because he really? He, yeah, because when he was a boy, he had seen, he, has, he said he had seen a movie I forget if it was like, um, it was called like Fall in Connecticut or like something like that. It was just this yeah. you know, movie he saw in like the 50s or 60s. And he was like, oh, wow, if I'm ever like rich, if I ever have money, I want to live in that place. And so yeah. like when he when he made some money, he bought a house in Connecticut in like the you 80s. Know, do you know where? Do you know his exact address? Can we dox him right now on the podcast? <laughs> No, I, I do. I do imagine, especially if it was the 80s, though, that it was probably like this is going to make no sense to anybody outside of like, you know, the fucking Northeast. But sorry, guys. Um, but probably somewhere like in Fairfield County, if it was like close enough to New York, because like, you yeah, know, Marvel, yeah, DC, probably. like all those like, you, you know, probably just get commuted in if you ever needed to take to go to the office. Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of uh, speaking of uh, trying to find out where john byrne lives uh my my sister wants this is a tangent but my sister wants and chelsea uh they found out that billy joel had a dock in uh new oh, london yeah. area and they oh, were yeah. like we're gonna pack some sandwiches we're gonna just hang out on the dock and we're just gonna be there every day until we meet billy joel <laughs> and i like yeah that was back when like they would tell people stuff like that and like those who knew them would be like oh, no they're not joke like this is not a bit like they are this is not a bit fully yes. they are fully meet billy joel yeah like <laughs> like yes they like yes they think it's funny what they're doing like they know it's funny what they're doing yes. but no they're still yes. doing it though <laughs> god damn but all right so we uh it's like I, i'm not Jewish, but it's just like I'm not Southern either. But I use y'all all the time because it's a really useful conjunction, you know. Yeah, like yeah. always, just a really like good. Oh man, exclamation! I started. Of, uh, I started um, speaking of Southern as a kind of joke around the house. I I started saying I'm fixing to do something, <laughs> just to like a joke between me and Shannon. And then I noticed that now I can't stop and I keep saying it in public. And I've had a couple of times where like my buddy Champy, uh, you know, Champy. Yeah, yeah. He's he's lived in Florida his whole life. And I said it around him and he's like, oh, you're fixing, huh? You're fixing <laughs> to do something. And I was like, uh, I got to big shots to, to Champy. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I got to stop saying that. I have a fear with that because me and some friends had started this running gag of like anytime we say, uh, um, uh, irregardless how irregardless yeah. isn't technically a word but like we'll say like if some of us if, if we say the running gag is if you say regardless you go oh you mean irregardless and like i sometimes I like that fear gag. that like when i'm not around my friends and i mean i, I know when i'm gonna kind of come up i'm like oh god i'm about to okay. say regardless don't don't or don't correct someone if someone yeah. says regard like my knee jerk is like oh you mean ear oh oh no 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 